A smart person learns from their mistakes. A wise person learns from others' mistakes. Welcome to the My Mistakes Podcast. We cover the lessons learned from the mistakes we've made in business so you won't do the same. I'm Chris Chanchuli. Today we'll be reviewing the last three guests we had on the show once again. Billy Alvaro, Chris Gronkowski, and Jerry Ward. Three guys that did things their way and achieved major things that very few people on this planet could. I'm Sean Rosenfeld. I'll be sharing my thoughts on these episodes and what stood out to me. This episode is being brought to you by Don Pablo Coffee. Specialty grade beans roasted in small batches. It's a better cup of coffee. Get yours at Amazon or at DonPabloCoffee.com. Well, continuing on with our review of the last three guests we've had on the My Mistakes podcast, they were each very unique, and I personally took a lot from each interview. And as Sean and I were talking about who the guests were and some of the things that they shared, and in our own private conversation about which ones we thought really had some advice incorporating that into our own lives or changing our perspective, how we look at things. It really came up in our conversation. It would be a good idea to review some of the guests and some of the things they said in an episode so that if you're catching this episode and something that we discuss that we found powerful about a guest, you may go back and listen to that episode because it sounds interesting to you, or there's something that you now think that you could get from the episode. So going back to our guest on June 28th, Mr. Billy Alvaro, he is someone who made a ton of money in the real estate game, in the mortgage world. And when doing the interview, it's actually the second interview we did with him. We did one going back probably a month and a half ago. And the problem was he was saying so many good things that we didn't want to stop him. And we only covered a very, very, very small part of his life in about 50 minutes. So we scheduled to do a second interview and that took probably about a good month and a half to lock him down because he was moving and shaking and buying up probably a percentage of New Jersey and flipping it. So we couldn't get him onto the show. And then once we did, that was a mess in itself because the unexpected things that come up as we were recording, I guess I was having a bad internet connection and I was sounding fuzzy to him. So we had to stop in like the middle of the interview and we had to record it on Zoom, which is totally different than the platform that we use, which is professional software. So in the event you pick up on different sound halfway through, it's because we had to switch platforms. And what you didn't hear, because it was edited out, and this just goes to show the personality Billy has, as I'm talking, he goes, hey, Chris, let me stop you right there. I said, what's up? He said, you sound like shit. (laughs) Just that one line, and hearing that story right now, that's how Billy is. So here's someone that got involved in real estate because they just figured it sounded interesting and they would be good at it. So He's working as a bartender down in Florida, and he befriends a coke-dealing bookie who suggests that he 
goes and takes his course on real estate and Billy went and did it. And at every stage of his life, he set goals or whoever was mentoring him and helping him from day one, he would always tell that person, here's how long I'm going to be here. I plan to do double what you're doing and I'm going to be out. And sure enough, that's what he did. But Sean, what was your take on Billy? I'm guessing you weren't familiar with him prior to the interview. What did you think being part of the interview, hearing it go on? And then what did you think when you heard it back? Well, besides your sound, I absolutely loved it. It was a phenomenal interview. I actually liked the the whole beginning story, the beginning of the up and down roller coaster. The guy, I think his name was Kelly, told him he needs to go to this meeting and he kept putting it off. And, you know, it's become a mortgage broker and he asked the guy how much he made and, you know, he just absolutely killed it. The person that introduced Billy and myself, the email, it was an email introduction and the subject line was, you two should meet, you're just alike. I had no idea who Billy Alvaro was. I don't follow the real estate market for those in the world of flipping or investing. So my email to Billy was, I hear we're a lot alike. You must be pretty damn cool. Let's chat. And he wrote back something along the same lines. And that first phone conversation was probably about 90 minutes. And within like five minutes, we were busting each other's balls, going back and forth. And he was the kind of person that he could dish it out. And he's such a wise ass, but he could also take it. And what I would say to him or just teasing him about things or making fun of something he just said about a story, I guess the best way to put it is he dished it out. He took it. He wasn't offended by anything. And that's what I like so much about him is he's very honest about screw ups that he's had in life. And he's very humble because I know the guy has a lot of money, but you really wouldn't know it because he's not one to brag. Something about the interview itself, I was trying to keep the pace going and keep him moving along because his stories are so good and he could easily fill an hour per story. And a little spoiler, for those that heard Billy's story, you will be seeing more of him this fall. I can't say what television station, but You will be learning more about Billy, and I do believe he will be a very big celebrity because he just, he's he's a riot. What else about the interview or about his life, Sean, grabbed you, stood out, made you envious, or made you realize your life really is not as exciting as Billy's? I like that it wasn't a perfect story. Who wants to hear about a successful person their whole life? They were just perfect, perfect. I like how he reached a level of success. He was kind of beat down, lost everything. You know, he went down a whole drug binge. And then one day his ex-wife or ex-girlfriend at the time told him, what are you doing? And what are you afraid of? And that was what clicked from there. He built an empire, lost it, and then built it right up again. So I just thought the whole story was amazing. He's a compelling individual, and he's a phenomenal storyteller. He really is. There aren't many who can keep your attention for that long. Billy is one of them who can. I guess something that really stood out to me is his honesty about being suicidal, being really depressed, 
almost like describing manic behavior because he's either go, 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 going, or he wasn't getting out of bed for weeks on end. I guess I was concerned also because hearing someone tell a story like that, I'm glad that he never had any irrational thoughts that he followed through with because I do believe he got pretty close to it, which it's easy to say, how could anyone resort to that or have those thoughts? But he had 950 or so employees. They were doing like a billion and a half dollars in closed business in the mortgage world. They were taking a company public that he didn't even know anything about this business like a decade, decade and a half earlier. And to be on top of the world and then lose it all. And he corrected me on social media when I said 17 million. He said it was 14 million that he was in debt. And I'm thinking to myself, it's still $14 million. And I think anyone that owes $14 million has thought about killing themselves before. I don't know that for a fact, and I'm not making light of the situation, but $14 million has to feel like a hole that you're not going to dig yourself out of. So the fact that Billy was able to get out of debt of $14 million and then go on to keep making millions of dollars. I mean, nothing is holding this guy down. And in all the times that I've talked to him on the phone or texting with one another, he's just so fired up. And he tells a story or something at the end, talking about how when he goes into a room, he likes to really bring the energy. You get on the phone with him, no matter how what time of day it is, or if I'm tired, he says hello, and instantly you feel like you just drank a big cup of coffee. I thought the best line when we first met Billy, or at least when I first met him on our first podcast with him, he said to you, he said, Chris, you and I are so much alike. And then you added in a little comment after you go, except for a few zeros. (laughs) Yeah. The thing that impresses me most about Billy Alvaro is he's so humble and he's so appreciative. And I've got to say, when a new episode gets released on all media or social media platforms. And I started putting some up on LinkedIn. And because Billy is very popular in business and in real estate, I wanted to see what kind of response it would get. And still, however many weeks it's been, people are commenting or liking that link and checking out the podcast. So that's one of the lessons I've learned in life. Many people will claim to be your friend or say your friends or want something from you or call you when they need something. But when you do something and you have people support you, that's when you know that you have true friends. And I see Billy put up different social media posts and you'll see hundreds of reactions. And then you'll see like 30, 40, 50 comments. That says something or speaks volumes to me. They're not just hitting a thumbs up or a like. They're taking time to write a message to acknowledge what you just said. And no matter if it's Billy wearing his boxer briefs and flexing his leg and flexing his arms so he can feel young and in shape and really buff or driving in his car, he will get so many responses. And that 
SOB is so handsome in those shots that he takes. I know that he's brushing his hair and putting the gel in before he takes a selfie. So I just want to acknowledge that right here. So when he hears it, I'm calling him out that there's no way he looks that good waking up first thing in the morning. And if he does, that must be what having millions of dollars does for you. (laughs) If you had to recommend that one to anyone who hasn't heard it, what would you say is the main takeaway that you got from it and why someone else should listen? I think the main takeaway is... You know, life is a roller coaster. It has ups and downs. And when you're at those times that, you know, you don't want to get out of bed, you don't want to get out of the couch, just get up and do it. And then on June 30th, we had Chris Gronkowski. It's interesting about him. I knew who he was, not because of football, because I'm ashamed to say I'm not someone who's very into or follows professional football or college football for that matter. But I knew him from Shark Tank, seeing something or other, a preview or flipping through and catching the episode. I'm not really a fan of the show Shark Tank for many reasons, and I'll get into that on a future episode. But something about Chris's invention, if you will, or I don't really know if it's an invention, it's a modification, as I have one sitting right next to me, is Ice Shaker. Shaker bottles are something I'm familiar with being in the gym for many years, being in the fitness industry, being a competitive bodybuilder. You're making shakes on the go. And his shaker bottle, the selling point is it won't smell or it doesn't hold a smell. And it'll keep your drink cold or your ice from melting for 30 hours. The product itself appealed to me and I wanted to learn more. And I came to know him from LinkedIn. I saw something he put up and I reached out to him. And I say in the interview, he's a person of his word because he committed to do the show like a week and a half before we were going to do it. And I came to find out an hour before we were recording, uh, he shot me a text or a message and he said, I may need to reschedule. And I asked if everything's okay. He said, yeah, my wife is due to give birth to our third son any minute. And I'm not sure if she's going to go into labor or not. And if she does, I'm going to have to cut it short and go to the hospital. (laughs) He was so serious in saying that. I said, no, no, I would totally understand. So sure enough, we log on and the interview starts. And I said, thanks. It really means a lot that you're doing this. And I would have understood you canceling, seeing as your wife is having your third son. And he said, well, I told you I was going to do it. So here I am. Let's go. And to be someone who really is a man of your word, that was impressive. What were your thoughts? Were you aware of Chris Gronkowski? Were you familiar with this product? Are you a fan of his football career? So I didn't know of Chris Gronkowski, but I definitely knew of the name. His brother, Rob, could be one of the best tight ends of all time in the NFL. Yes, the highest paid contract of all time. Yeah, and he was just phenomenal. You know, I play fantasy football every year, and Rob Gronkowski was always top 20 pick. He's just a great guy. He's a beast. So when I heard the name, I immediately Googled to see if it was the same Gronkowski, any relation, and then I found that it was. The story was just really unbelievable. 
five boys, competition, father really showing them the ropes, mother staying at home, taking care of five boys, putting food on the table. Just an overall great story. You just touched on that about his father. What impressed me the most about the interview is the family dynamic. And I love when he was talking about playing college ball with his brother, high school and college and being drafted together. That was special because I'm very close to my brother and hearing how close they are, how if they were reviewing game footage or film, they would be ripping on each other or they would be complimenting each other. And something about that, I don't know, I've never been on a professional football team and my brother and I have never played or I don't think done anything together like that. But I thought my brother being my best friend, if we were doing anything, play on the same team, I could see where that would make you even tighter and play harder to protect and watch out for. So that was special. And then hearing about his dad, I love his dad's attitude. The fact that A, his dad had the foresight to know that you've got to start training your kids young if you want them to have a career in any kind of athletics. But his father doing the right things came to find out that his father is like the second largest gym equipment distributor in the Northeast. So I guess his dad had it in his blood. But when you hear how his father had a successful business or has a successful business, you could tell that the father is like the sons where he's very goal oriented and he's not selling himself short and he's going all out. And Chris proved to be such a gentleman because when I brought up his father and complimented his father, he said, well, I've also got to give a lot of credit to my mom because, and whatever his reasons were being the support system, getting him to games, whatever she was doing, he wanted to make sure to acknowledge his mom and not just let his father get all the credit. I really couldn't fathom how here's a guy who reached a certain level of popularity. I guess you could say fame, at least a famous family. You know, he was on Shark Tank. And here's you reaching out to him to come on the podcast. And his wife is about to give birth and he still comes on. I mean, it could be one of the coolest things. It just shows what type of guy he is. Or it shows what kind of guy you're co-hosting this podcast with where he's got enough juice to get someone to come on the show instead of rushing to the hospital. <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> you are at that level of fame as well, my friend. Yeah. And speaking of fame, I was going to say, can you imagine what it would be like to have a brother who's so famous that he's known throughout the entire world? like Chris Gronkowski's brother. Can you imagine what that would be like? I could. Who's your brother and what has he done? So my brother is Scott Ian. He was the founder of the heavy metal band Anthrax. And what was it like for you to have a famous brother? Did the fame ever stand out to you? Did you have fans running up to you if you guys were ever out somewhere? What was that like? There's a big age difference between us. So you know, when he was at his level of fame, when he was in his 20s and 30s, I mean, I was maybe 10, under 10. So at that time, it was just kind of what I was used to. We'd go out to dinner and, you know, every once in a while, people would always come up. And for the most part, he was always great with his fans. Obviously, if you're out to dinner with your family, you know, you don't want to be bothered just like anyone else. You know, when I went to concerts at a young age, 
I really didn't think about it as fame. I just thought about it as here's my brother doing a gig and our family was coming along to watch him. How'd your family like that music? I respect it. I like some of the songs, but I would say when I'm driving in my car and I want some quiet time by myself, I'm not blasting heavy metal music. No, no. I'm listening to the My Mistakes podcast. (laughs) So you and Chris Gronkowski or any of his brothers, something that I asked him because I had to Google it, seeing as I'm not the sports fan that you are and I don't play in any fantasy baseball leagues or football leagues for that matter. His brother, I think it was Gordy, his oldest brother, he played baseball. So he's the only one that didn't play football. And I was thinking, I wonder if he felt left out. I don't think he had any interest to play football, but I'm just thinking like these guys all playing at an elite level, professional level, college level. And then you have the brother who is playing the top level in another sport. But I wonder if he felt like the odd man out. What was it that all four loved football, but one brother didn't? It just stood out to me for some reason. But the fact that he has a family of five boys that are active when he was talking about how much food it took to feed five active athletic sons, I was just very glad at that moment that I have two daughters who don't play football. And the Shark Tank, one of my beefs with the show, I understand the concept, and hearing Chris explain it only made me, uh, or my assumptions about the show, I realized that it was true. He was asked to be on the show prior to even having a product or anything to go onto the show for or with. And then when he ended up going on this show, it was like a year or so after the original invitation. So he had to come up with an idea of what is a product that he could sell. So the whole concept came to be because he needed something to go pitch to a shark on Shark Tank and how they would be sitting in the green room waiting to see if they were going to even get a chance to go on. I couldn't believe how many people are on standby. I guess the producers of the show are looking to see what's the angle. Even Chris said it, it's television. So it's trying to find the show, how it will resonate with people, what products, what people pitching their ideas, who are people going to be most entertained by. And in watching that episode where they're playing beer pong and getting the deal with Mark Cuban or A-Rod somehow is involved. Shark Tank is, I think, not exactly what people want it to be, where it's just a matter of people's ideas or pitching to the sharks, because it is television. And I will say that I ordered the ice shaker right after we did the interview, like within minutes. And I do love it. I've dropped it countless times, and the top has never popped off. Only once did it leak in my backpack when I was at the beach last week because I didn't close it all the way. So it was my fault there. But it does keep the ice intact or frozen for very long periods of time. I have not made it to 30 hours because I always finish what's in it. But I can say it has kept ice for 18 hours. So that's good for me. I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but... It's Thanksgiving, right? Where families, they have like pickup football games. Can you imagine bringing the Gronkowski boys? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That would be some ringers. That's a good point because that family is so competitive. Someone's going to end up hurt, bruised, bloody. 
or in the emergency room. Watching Shark Tank, not something that I can say I watch regularly, but something I do watch regularly is YouTube. I have a fascination with just seeing what's trending, clicking on it, and seeing what similar videos, and I could get stuck in front of it. It's like a guilty pleasure. Late at night when I need to go to bed, I'll start scrolling through YouTube. And our guest that we had on, on July 3rd, Jerry Ward, is someone who I've been a fan of his channel on YouTube for probably like three years. And the reason I liked him and the reason I reached out to ask if he would come on the My Mistakes podcast is he told very personal stories every time he would do an episode. And he's one of the people who I was critical over because when he would do an episode, let's say it's a 10, 15 minute episode on his channel, it looked like no thought was put into it where he just hit record and he'd start talking. It was just a conversation. It was like getting onto a Zoom call and there he is talking to you. And when doing the interview, we had to, again, do it on Zoom because of the device he was recording on. And here he is. I'm looking at him thinking this is the guy from the YouTube videos. I feel like I'm watching a YouTube video, but he's answering every question that I ask. And he's talked about topics from his heroin addiction to being molested by a family member and the turmoil that it caused within the family because people didn't believe that he was telling the truth. And I can only imagine what kind of issues that could cause in a family when you've gone through something that traumatic and you turn to those that you trust who are supposed to protect you and they don't believe you. So between that and the heroin and relationships and breaking up, He really has talked about so many personal things. And I think that's why I was drawn to him, just his honesty. And when people tell stories or experience things that I haven't, I'm so fascinated by hearing how they handled it, what it was like. And I think anyone who listens to something like that imagines himself in that situation and how would they handle it. And some of the things he talks about in his channel, I don't know if I could handle it or how he got through it. And I really give him a lot of credit for sharing so much of his own life so that it will help or inspire or let people that watch his channel know you're not alone. Other people have gone through this. Don't be ashamed. And it's not your fault. And that's really his message. And I think it's a powerful one. So I wanted to get him on to ask him why he started doing this. A lot of His content is about bodybuilding because it is a fitness channel. And he was one of the original OG YouTubers in the fitness world. For you, Sean, again, getting back to not being a fan of bodybuilding, he wasn't even someone who was a professional bodybuilder. He's someone who just was a bodybuilder who talks about the bodybuilding world. Was there anything from that interview that grabbed you, that you found interesting? What did you think about Jerry Ward? I didn't know Jerry Ward prior to it, just like you said. But the thing that I really respect as someone who I'm into social media and building up my social media following, he's, he's a legend. He was doing it before Gary Vee was doing it. And I like when he said, if anyone thinks that they could 
make a video go viral, it's impossible. You just got to put as many out there as possible and just you know keep trying and hopefully one will go viral. There's really no path for a video to go viral. Yeah. And I asked him the question and I was using my little method of kind of prodding the guest or saying something to try to set him off a little bit. And I asked him, what do you say to people that say you're famous for doing nothing, just being a YouTuber? And he had such a great way to break it down because like he said, do you consider going out and getting a couple hundred thousand subscribers to your YouTube channel or having hundreds of thousands of followers on social media? He said, do you really consider that nothing? It made me stop and think because it does take a tremendous effort. And I guess all of us get a little annoyed or bothered or maybe some people jealous seeing someone who shows their bum bum or their chest on Instagram and they have 500,000 followers. Someone like that, I guess I could justify saying they're famous for doing nothing. Like, just because that's what their butt looks like, or they've got enormous breast implants, like they're gaining a following. That to me is really being famous for nothing. I mean, they're just snapping selfies. But what Jerry did was tried things, developed or discovered a formula, and then repeated. And he was putting out so much content. And every time he put out an episode, it was something meaningful to him that day. And it made me take a step back and not be so judgmental about those that are on YouTube because it takes a lot of work. And even doing this podcast, for us to be banging out three episodes a week, I mean, that's not even one a day. And it's very time consuming and all that goes into it. So to see that he was doing that many in a month, And in a year, for years and years, he's earned all the recognition that he gets from people in the YouTube world. I think the best or greatest takeaway that I got from these three guests, Billy Alvaro, Chris Gronkowski, and Jerry Ward, I'd say what they all have in common is perseverance. All three of these gentlemen were able to do something where the odds were definitely against them to make it to the NFL. Very, very small percentage. I can't exactly quote, but I did look it up when I interviewed him. Can't remember it now to have videos go viral and have hundreds of thousands of followers and subscribers to your social media. That's something that takes a lot of perseverance for Billy Avaro to achieve millions and millions and millions and build up a company as big as he did and then lose it and then get it again. I mean, all three of these guests are so inspirational because they never quit. And even when they were up against all odds that said they were going to fail, they didn't. That to me is the most powerful message that anyone listening to this is going to have bad days or bad weeks bad months and hopefully not bad years. But in listening to every one of their stories, I really think the lesson here is don't give up, 
keep fighting the good fight. And if you truly believe in what you're doing, you will succeed. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But if you keep at it, you will find a level of success that will bring you to a better place. So don't give up. For more info, visit getconnects.com. That's G-E-T-C-O-N-N-E-X-X.com. Or visit us on Facebook at connects, comma, I-N-C, or on Instagram at connects underscore. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Don Pablo. All their coffee is roasted in small batches, providing the freshest tasting coffee imaginable. Simply put, it's a better cup of coffee. Order on Amazon or at DonPabloCoffee.com.